The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmood and I am your host. And um, I'm really, really excited to be joined on the show today by Nadia Rahman. And she is a member of um, the uh, book, book club in Luton. And uh, we're going to be talking to her about some of her intentions for Ramadan, um, some of her favorite books and kind of recommendations that might be might make a good read for you um, during this blessed month, inshallah. Um, so I'm just going to go straight to um, Nadia and say assalamu alaikum. Uh, assalamu alaikum, Imran and everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time out, um, obviously, for, for the show. Um, so I guess my first question really is, um, if, you know, in terms of um, Ramadan, is there anything in particular or in a particular way that you prepare for the month? So um, when it comes to Ramadan, obviously, alhamdulillah, it's a, it's a blessed month and it's always a month I'm always looking forward to and excited for. Mm. The main preparations that I do for Ramadan include so many things, but I think the main fundamental is focusing on myself when it comes to Ramadan. So that includes focusing on improving my character, improving my relationship with Allah and with my family, as well as my friends, as well as focusing on myself in terms when it comes to deen, um, reflecting the deen on myself, uh, reflecting the Quran and Sunnah on myself and I think uh, this is a message I would tell the whole Ummah as well that when it comes to Ramadan and not just during Ramadan focusing on ourselves and making us ourselves as better Muslims and better people is something we should take um, advantage of things like as well as uh, I read the Quran a lot reflect the Quran to my daily routine and I know that not only does it help me become a better Muslim but it improves my relationship with my own career so oh sorry I was just going to say thank you so much um, Nadi for, for sharing that I guess my my next question really is that how do you think um because obviously you know we, we go through fluctuations in in terms of you know our, our deen and, and the way we're practicing it and obviously Ramadan comes you know you know like we said it's a blessing every year um, how does it help you maybe reconnect um, with with Islam? So when Ramadan comes, obviously, as Muslims, we should know the significance and importance of Ramadan, like the story behind it. Why is it an important um, mm. that helps me improve my relationship with Allah? So, for example, this month is a month of ibadah, uh, worshipping a lot, doing dhikr, reading Quran, fixing our prayers, um, taraweeh prayers. So all these ibadat actually help me um, reconnect. During the month of Ramadan, every single good deed that we do, as well as ibadat, it multiplies by 70 times compared to non-Ramadan month. And that motivates me to do as many ibadat as possible, knowing that I'm going to be getting the double amount of or 70, 70 times amount the reward. Mm. Uh, secondly, um, when it comes to Ramadan, Ramadan is the month where the Quran was revealed. This is um, this is the month where after 23 years of the Quran being published, this whole month is the Quran. And I see it as we should spend our time reflecting, reading and focusing on the Quran. Not just reading it, but actually implementing the actions from the Quran into our daily life and teaching it to other people as well. And I remember like in my own household with my own uh, family members, we would always do like a competition thing when it comes to reading Quran, who could read more, who could reflect it on ourselves more. I think that's the most enjoyable part of Ramadan, knowing that the holy month 
is the month of the Quran. Uh, thirdly, um, it reminds me a lot of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because this month, as th this month is where the Quran was revealed, and the Quran was revealed to him. So it's another reminder that we should follow the Sunnah of our Prophet, understand and gain more knowledge about Adin and increase our love for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Mainly, um learning more about him, uh, his character, how he treated other people as well. So all these things actually helped me reconnect with my faith, knowing that this month is a month where shaitan is locked up. So we have a higher chance of avoiding sins, but also keep that steadfast even after Ramadan as well. No, mashallah, it's so... Um kind of such a beautiful reminder actually many reminders I think in what you've said and you know the fact that of course you know the Quran is is I'm sorry Ramadan is the month of the Quran and you know the month of revelation and the idea of really I guess yeah embedding the things that we're reading so you know it's so important that you've said that because you're right I mean I think maybe growing up sometimes th there was this thing of oh you know I just want to go to try to read as much Quran as I can and you know which is a really good intention to have you know a lot of um, our teachers and scholars say you know make big intentions for Ramadan so make the intention yes I'm going to try to finish the whole of Quran in the month if, if I can however at the same time you know it's, it's yeah, also, I think it's also about being kind of what you can what you can manage and you know maybe um, delving into deep into you know like the meaning of the Quran and yeah and what you can maybe implement you know in a, on a more kind of um daily life so no thank you so much for for sharing that um so in terms of obviously you've kind of mentioned you do kind of dedicate a lot of Ramadan to to reading Quran which is great and what are the other kind of um is it other reading that you get time to do or is there anything kind of spe specific in terms of um Ramadan in a way that you like to spend time so when it comes to other than reading the Quran, I like to gain my knowledge um, um, through books by understanding more about Adin. So that could be learning more about our Prophet um, mm. uh, uh, Muhammad um, because Ramadan and also outside of Ramadan, it's all about understanding the deen and reflecting it to to ourselves. And obviously, currently, I'm reading a book called The Sealed Necked. And I think I just started reading it. And Alhamdulillah, it's such an amazing book. It's something I've always wanted to read when I um, see it from Instagram. And then I went to the uh, pre-Ramadan shopping festival last Saturday. And that's when I saw the book. And I thought, no, I need to get it. And it's such a beautiful book because it's very detailed about the childhood, the character, what our Prophet Muhammad went through, the impact, the blessings he gave to the people around him, for even from a young age, even from the time he was born. And the book also um, mentioned very in-depth about the Arabia Peninsula at that time. So the different tribal regions in Arabia, how how the Arabs were in terms of their traits, but also like in terms of their good traits, but also how, you know, the situation of the pre-Jahiliya was very badly affected. But when the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu came in, everything changed. So women were treated properly, slaves were treated properly, properly, all the haram stuff were um, gone. And embracing ourselves in this knowledge during the month of Ramadan, not only does it help us become better Muslims, but it actually makes up increase our love and and our affection for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he was a prophet that changed the whole world. Like these days, you got internet, you got a technology, social media that changed everything. But back then, when it, when it was our prophet uh, time, there was none, no Wi-Fi, no internet, no social media to change anything. It was just purely from his own character, from the way he used to treat other people, 
from the way he used to talk, his good manners, his generosity, his respect, his truthfulness, that Allah chose him as the best among prophets. And I, I think there's something, another thing we should reflect during Ramadan, how not only privileged that we are Muslims and we should be happy and grateful, but also be grateful that we're part of his ummah as well. And because we're part of his ummah, we're more valued compared to the other ummahs in the previous time. He, he he made so many blessings from the time during um when he was fostered by his uh, wet nurse Halima to the time when during wartime uh, during the time when he got married it, even like when he got married to um Khadija radiallahu and like what she saw from him made her fully attracted to him so i think this month this so this is the extra reading i do during ramadan mainly reflecting on the prophet and obviously just understanding more about the deen yeah no absolutely and like i'm getting so like i'm getting goosebumps listening to you because it's so nice and i think you know um it it really is such an important part of Afsiyadeen and our faith that actually, you know, we learn about the seal of the Prophet wasallam, and, and, you know, the sealed nectar, of course, is, a, is an amazing book. And I remember reading it when I was, I was much younger. And then more recently, um, I bought like a... Um, I bought another copy because I, I think my first copy, maybe I must have borrowed it or someone. I, I can't remember. And then I bought like one which had... Um, it's got like photographs in it as well. And it was such a nice, um, yeah, I guess an accompaniment, you know, for, for, for Ramadan and the book itself, the, the Sealed Nectar, um, obviously it's by Safi Rahman al Mubaraburi. Yeah. And the book was awarded, you know, first prize by the Muslim World League at Worldwide um, Competition on the Biography of the Prophet Sallam held at Magal Magarama in 1979. You know, so, you know, when we're talking about in terms of a book, you know, this is a major, I mean, a lot of people obviously I know who have read it, um, and even, you know, within the book, you're right, there's so much of the Prophet Sallam's um, life that is covered. Um, it goes all the way back to, obviously, um, the rule of, you know, the Arab lands um, and the religion of the Arabs, you know, before, you know, kind of pre-Islamic. Um, we then learn about, you know, the lineage and, and family of the Prophet Sallallahu mm -hmm. as well. Um, obviously, all the way down to, you know, Revelation and you know, there's so much covered, like a much like, you know, in the book. So it's a really lovely book, I think, that you've chosen. Um, yeah. I mean, is there anything in particular, I guess, about the book, like that you'd you'd recommend it, you know, to, to others to read maybe during Ramadan if they haven't already? So because um, I just started reading the book, um, uh, the part um, that I would um, tell the Ummah to actually mainly focus on is the life of the Prophet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's in the uh, fourth uh, after the third chapter, because mm -hmm. um, the, um, the, you know, the, the Arab lands and the, the Arabia Peninsula and the tribes and the regions um, before the Prophet came. It's quite complicated to understand. So I would tell the Ummah mainly focus on the seerah of the Prophet. Mm. And because it's the month of Ramadan and the month of Ramadan is directly um, reflects to our Prophet and the Quran, I think the main message I would give to the Ummah is try to learn the characteristics from the prophet in terms of building and improving our own character and becoming better people so things like treating other people improving our relationship with other people because when it comes to the month of ramadan i think uh, the biggest misconception people get in our ummah is they think the month of Ramadan is just a month of ibadat and um, reading Quran and dhikr and you know tasbih and stuff and praying the namaz and stuff but I think the main starting point for whoever wants to improve their relationship with their family friend who want to be better people like in terms of beautifying their character or purifying their heart as well as improving their relationship with Allah I think that's the main key a point I would give to the Ummah and from that you could only learn it from the seerah of the Prophet because this book and there's obviously um, every other books related to the Prophet it doesn't just talk about his life 
what he did, what he ate, but it mainly talks about his character, what made the people attract to him, what made non-Muslim become Muslim purely because of his character. And I think the most amazing thing we could do as Muslim if, is to have the best character. And that's only um, something we could learn from is from our own prophet. He, he was the one with the best character. And I think Ramadan is a month of just improving ourselves, focusing ourselves from all angles, not just from one particular angle, if that makes sense. It makes 100% sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when we talk about the Prophet being, being the best of creation and, you know, being sent as a mercy to, you know, the worlds, you know, this uh, that holds so much weight, you know, and and truly, I think you're right, you know, it's through our love of the Prophet we're able to draw nearer to, you know, our creator. And, you know, there's so much truth in what you said. And I mean, coming back again, I guess, to, to the book that you mentioned, The Sealed Nectar, I mean, literally in the publisher's note at the beginning, it says, you know, the heart of every Muslim is filled with love for the last Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu And this love of the Messenger of Allah is an asset for him. Love and respect for a person depends on the benefits we get from him. As the Prophet Sallallahu is the greatest benefactor of humanity, every Muslim has the deepest love for him. Every action of his life is to be followed by every individual of the Muslim Ummah. Achieving the highest love for the Prophet is a test of our faith. Allah the Almighty has described and explained the status of Prophet Muhammad in the Quran. Say, O Muhammad, to mankind, if you really love Allah, then follow me. Allah will love you. Um, so, you know, the, 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 again, the, the book starts off with a really beautiful reminder. And, you know, as you said, um, yeah, focusing on the seerah of the Prophet you know, is a really good way of maybe kind of delving into this book. Because, yeah, I mean, it's quite a, there's a lot of detail in the book, you know, like you said. And, um, and always, I always encourage people that, maybe when it comes to reading Ramadan, because obviously, of course, we have lots of uh, other responsibilities or, you know, there's other maybe, I don't know, I don't want to use targets or intentions that we might have. But, you know, you kind of start off um, kind of just dipping in and out. You can really, like, not overwhelm ourselves, I think, you know, with, with, with maybe perhaps too many things to do. But just, yeah, take time to pause and reflect, even on the little reading that you're able to take time out for, I think is really, really important. Um, now, I wonder from what you've read so far, of, so I know you've said you've, you've just started, but maybe generally speaking, is there, is there something um, specific at the seerah of the Prophet or any story that really kind of speaks to your own soul that you think, oh, you know, this is one of my favourite stories, let's say, or this is something that really impacted me. Um, and I might be putting you slightly on the spot, but if there is something that you might be able to um, kind of reflect on. Oh, this, there's so many, even though it's not just from this book, but I had a good general knowledge of the seerah, mm -hmm. but it was, it was so many um, stories of the Prophet that really attracted me. So first of all, um, when he was a young child, um, obviously that time, obviously our Prophet went through so much. Both of his parents died. His uh, father died before he was born and then his mom died at a young age and then after his grandfather died. Now, while his mom mother was still alive, he used to go to his wet nurse to um you know uh, uh, someone that would take care of him and obviously other foster children and the the best part was that halima and her husband didn't want to take the prophet knowing that he was an orphan and then th there was something that was stopping them from taking him just because he was an orphan mm -hmm. and then after not taking him, they realized actually maybe we should give her a chance. Maybe we should take him. Um, maybe we would get some sort of blessings. And obviously during that time and in Saudi Arabia, obviously now Saudi Arabia is very economically very well and flourishing in terms of financially because of the pilgrims coming in for Hajj and Umrah. But back then, Arabia was very poor. They had no vegetation. They used to have a lot of droughts. Um, um, hunger, poverty was the key. And that's something Halima, uh, his wetness, used to face a lot, as well as 
her husband and she was always panicking, scared of how we're going to feed the uh, children. We don't have enough milk from the cows or goats or enough food. The crops are dying. Once the prophet, um, once she started nursing the prophet, she starts seeing all these, all sort of these blessings from the cows giving milk, the crops are finally being grown, the droughts are all gone. And it's such an amazing um, feeling because it's when this blessed creation came in, all problems are gone. It's like a dead land has become a very useful land in terms of agriculture and feeding the people. And that was a blessing. Like that's when they realized that we actually were glad that we brought this child into our home. And so that was one of my favorite part of the story, how the prophet gave so many blessings at his time. Another good thing was um, obviously um, before the prophet came into this world, obviously during the pre-Jahiliya time, everything was messed up like a woman's rights there was no woman's rights at all daughters were being buried women you know women were were taught yeah mistreated badly um apparently if daughters were born into a family it would bring shame and grief so the fathers had no choice but to bury them alive because they thought daughters were use uh, were useless because they would only cause poverty and they wouldn't do anything in terms of the progeny or lineage of the family um and other um really um in my opinion quite disgusted stories were things like um widows were neglected that if a woman um, husband died she had to end up marrying her own sons the divorce system was totally corrupted a man could easily divorce a wife without you know just like like they just used woman as some sort of property but when the prophet came it completely changed and I think that's something else we should value in our religion that women have been given the most ultimate blessed rights once the prophet stepped in obviously because of social media and the stuff that we see in media you see sisters even from our own um, religion our own community would say oh um, being a woman is not good in our religion or or I'm, I'm you know I'm not happy that I'm a woman and stuff but they don't realize that actually yes we might not be like the woman, like from the Western society, but we're completely different from them. The amount of rights that we got as a woman, everything that we do is a blessing, even um, from covering ourselves. Some women in our religion might think covering ourselves is some sort of oppression and torture. Of course it's not. It's, it's a way of, it's a sense of, high rank of us women when we cover ourselves because we're seen as a form of protection. We, we this modesty keeps us from all the evil eyes and lust that we could get from the opposite gender. That's the value of women. But some people still think it's a form of oppression or um, we still don't get rights. And it makes me feel sad because our Prophet did so much for this Ummah but it still doesn't get through the brains of the ummah. It's not just the value of women's rights, but it's everything. And I think that's another amazing story. The way he used to treat his wives, his daughters, was no other man could treat a wife like like a queen, basically. So, Yeah, yeah no, I was just going to say, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. no, I was just going to say that's really, you know, you've touched on on so many kind of important things that, you know, we were able to take from, you know, the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there's so much, yeah, I think those just reminders that we do need to better ourselves as an Ummah yeah, exactly. communities. Um, so again, you know, obviously that was just, we were just talking um, um, about the sealed nectar by um, Sufi Rahman al-Mubarak Puri. Um, so we are just now um, heading um, to the break. And we will back, be back, inshallah, in a few moments. Assalamu alaikum.
This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the Book Club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imran Mahmood and today I am joined by Nadia Rahman who is a member of the Amana Book Club in Luton. And in the first half of the show, we were talking to Nadia a little bit about her intentions for Ramadan, um, some of her reading habits and book recommendations. And one of the main ones that we we were talking about was The Sealed Nectar. Um, It's obviously a very, very well-known book. Um, It's a book which I've also um, read and alhamdulillah, I learned a lot from, especially when I was, you know, um, younger. Um, So it is a biography of the Noble Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's written by Safiya Rahman Al-Mubarakuri. So I had mentioned it actually it's it was it's from 1979 so you know it's been around um for a while and it's, it was awarded the first prize by the Muslim World League um so you know a very very um good book if it's something that you want to learn about the of the Prophet um but we're going to move on to um a different book so we were talking a little bit obviously because it is the book club show we want to be able to give you some ideas um, for books or perhaps there's books that you've already read and might be an opportunity for you to kind of get some views or our views on on what those books are like. Um, So Nadia, what is another book that you'd like to talk about today on the show? So I think another really good book um, for whoever whoever hasn't read it is uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons and it's by Khalid Hussein. And um, from reading it, Alhamdulillah, it was such an amazing book. It was a lot of trauma in it, a lot of sadness, violence, and obviously it had a lot of emotional to it, which made me very um, emotional as well. And it's um, it's based on two uh, young ladies who had completely different lifestyle, but did go through the same thing. And there's so many themes and values to learn from this book, from um, women's rights, to the political issues that was going on in Afghanistan, to wars, to domestic violence, and, and mainly, I would say, uh, forced marriages. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember when I first read it, I definitely, you know, had a sense of that because it is quite a heavy book to read. Exactly. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot, of, a lot of trauma, and you know, there's a lot of depiction of, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, very, very kind of hard, I guess, situations, difficult situations, like you said, domestic violence. You know, just being one of them. Um, and I think, but I think what was interesting for me it was that actually, I think it was quite a few, a few years later, maybe, that I started reading more up, um about kind of you know Harley Tessani and, and and his work because obviously he was also um the author of, of the kite runner um yeah. which is also another book that you know a lot of people kind of enjoy uh reading and you know gets you know gets recommended but you know I, I know that there's been obviously some criticism of obviously of his work where it does seem that despite obviously trying to obviously show characters that are flawed and you know trying to send a certain message I guess to readers it does kind of play into certain um kind of negative stereotypes almost as though that you know um you know there's obviously we, we know the um 
like when we talk about Orientalism and, you know, what that actually means, the idea that there's this other group who are very brutal and who are very um, uh, kind of evil and all of that is because of their backward culture and because of their backward religion. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I think despite, you know, the popularity of his books, he does tend to play into these kind of certain stereotypes. And, um, you know, even to be honest, the trauma he depicts in the book Again, you know, it's something that people have done even in the time of slavery where it was almost, um, I guess, in a way, kind of sadistic and there's a sense of voyeurism that the people are reading it are able to delve into something really dark. But again, it's about another culture that's being depicted in, um, you know, in, in really kind of negative light because of their ethnicity and religion so I think that's maybe you know a slight you know kind of big criticism of his work and his books and I mean you could, it doesn't mean you shouldn't read his books or you you know it's just about understanding that and actually the narrative I think that can sometimes play in society because I've met loads of people who like um they really love uh, whether it's a kite runner or a thousand splendid sons um but actually there's so many i guess other authors and books that you can still read about the stories of um characters who are based in those countries but maybe it's a little bit more nuanced and it's a little bit more um or less i should say um kind of stereotypical i don't know does that make sense you know in terms of a like a certain narrative that gets pushed sometimes in in the media or kind of Western culture. Um, well, I told, yeah, I totally agree what you said, Imrana. Um, yeah, I, I, I've realised that as well. Um, because it, it, it came out across very um, intense and flawed, it does come across that maybe he's um, maybe pointing a particular direction to the religion being the main issues for these uh, women's going through forced marriage or going through domestic violence because of the setting and of the characters. You know, it was in a Muslim family in Afghanistan. But again, that's not always, that's not the case because it's our religion. Mm. Even if that's in Afghanistan, where the Taliban's are, they're the only people that know the true religion. They know the true respect for women. So you're right, it come across as where yeah, uh, it might brainwash certain people about the religion being the blame for these issues, but it's not the religion. It could be people's own mm. uh, mentalities uh, back there, but nothing related to religion itself. So I do agree um, where you're coming from. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's all it was. It was just to, you know, sometimes, and it's not just obviously with his books, even now, you know, the, there are certain uh, books that become very, very popular. But obviously, it's just about, okay, why are they popular? You know, sometimes and actually, oh, it's because maybe it's being written for, you know, um, the white gaze, or maybe it's been written um, just to perpetuate certain cultural narratives, you know. So yeah, I think as long as we're aware of that, I think, you know, you can, you can obviously yeah, read, read any kind of book. But um, no, thank you so much for for sharing that um so i we're gonna obviously end with hopefully like a one more book that we're going to talk about because i did ask you you know to talk about maybe your favorite three um so what is um the next book that you want to talk about in terms of obviously um that might be a potential good read for for ramadan yeah so i think um the so secrets of divine love and that's by a um halwa um i think that's a really good book uh of like a first book in Ramadan, especially for um for um people that have been converted to Islam, so they're just um are new to the religion of Islam, and for people who um who are like um who want to strengthen their faith um or strengthen their deen, I think for these two types of people, I think this book is something I would recommend because this book is it's very um. I would say uh, the right word is uh, very therapeutic because I, I mean, I don't know much about the author, but the way the book comes across as is as if it's coming across from a convert or I mean, a revert perspective. And it's, uh, you know, she talks about how, you know, she converted to Islam, the different, um, experiences that she um she faced that brought her to the light to the nord of the religion and it felt very therapeutic because she was going through a lot 
like in terms of happy moment, which made it achieve to the to our goal, uh, to Islam and the book. It's like a, it's like a very. It's the book is very simplified in terms of uh, our religion compared to other books, which might be a bit too detailed and it could be quite complicated to understand. I think this book is very different in the way it was written, very simplified. It's very easy to understand, easily to know the basic to depth of the of Islam. And it was amazing because I've you know hearing the perspective of a refat talking about the religion makes you feel very like like it makes them feel, but it also makes you feel quite honoured that this is the right religion and we're bringing people into this religion. And then she, so from this book, she talks about uh, quotes from the Hadith, uh, quotes from other prophets as well. Um, she uses a lot of quotes from the person Rumi as well. Um, the book also talks about in depth of uh, the main topics in Islam, either that's uh, Ramadan, um, the sacred month of Ramadan. This, uh, you know, the benefits that we get from Ramadan. So abstaining from sins, um, not just from like starving ourselves, but ensuring everything that we do is abstain from all bad things, including our eyes, nose, mouth, everything. What we see, what we say. Um, also talks about. Um, in depth about Hajj, um, the pilgrimage of Hajj, um, Salah. So it's like a first beginner book of, to introduce people to Islam. And I think it's a very um, amazing book to like nowadays generation that want to grow their faith into the connection. So, I mean, I would definitely recommend, that's the First book I would recommend then going to the seer and nectar because again she talks about uh, the seer of the prophet in the book as well in a very um simplified easy terms um for um any Muslims and reverts that want to improve and understand more about the deen I think this book it's a really um a good book. Yeah, I mean, this book, so, um, Secrets of Divine Love, was recommended to me um, by somebody I met, like, um, last year. Um, and I haven't finished reading it, but I remember, like, as when I did start reading it, completely understood why it's so kind of such a loved book, you know, because there is that such a huge kind of spiritual aspect that is very relatable, you know, it's something that whether you're coming to something, uh, you know, coming to maybe Islam, in, in, like new, right? Or even if you're already Muslim, but actually, you know, you feel maybe felt a bit disconnected or maybe not being able to understand faith mm. you know, in a deeper level, but even like the blurb. Um, so obviously it starts off with a question that are you longing to experience a more intimate and loving relationship with the divine? Secrets of Divine Love draws upon spiritual secrets of the Quran, ancient mystical poetry and stories from the world's greatest prophets and spiritual masters to help you reignite your faith, overcome your doubts and deepen your connection with God. Through the use of scientific evidence. Um, oh, sorry. Um, oh, I've just lost my place. Where has it gone? So through the use of scientific evidence, practical exercises and guided meditations, you'll develop the tools and awareness needed to discern and overcome your negative inner critic that prevents you from experiencing God's all-encompassing love. The passages in this book serve as a compass and guiding light that returns you to the source of divine peace and surrender. Um, and then it goes on to, you know, kind of explain a little bit more. But, but you know, the blurb in itself, I think it really does give you a sense of, of what the book is about. Um, so are there any particular, so, yeah, are there any particular um, things in the book that you really, um, yeah, that you really, I know you mentioned, for example, she quotes Rumi, um, but are there any, yeah, is there any particular example of Rumi that you really kind of liked, or are there any other examples in the book that you want to share that you think actually might be quite nice for, for listeners to hear? Yeah, so I think um, the first part of the book where she, um, the author talks about her experience, um, um, obviously I don't know much about the author, but it, it comes across as if she's um, trying to, um, like she gives this like a very inspiring spiritual guide 
uh, to God and that's when I knew that she just stepped into Islam and I think that was the most amazing uh, part of the book that from a revert point of view you want to know how does it feel for them when it comes to reaching that point reaching the love for Allah and it's it's more like a um it's, it's something that is very imaginable, something that you could imagine in your head. Um, the book is like, it sometimes spirals into your head, like the spirit, I mean, the spirit, you know, the spirituals from the Quran that she mentions, the various quotes. I mean, there were so many quotes that she said, which was quite good. And I, I've forgotten oh, the no, quote. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. all the quotes that she mentioned, I think one quote she mentioned was the, um about the Quran, um the like the beauty of the Quran and how you could indulge and gain so much from the Quran. So that was really uh, one uh, good one. And I think um it it mainly enlightens the mind, this book, especially the first part, and it inspires the soul towards a deeper intimacy with Allah, like it improves your relationship with Allah and plus it makes you feel like what path are you in, in, in Islam when it comes to um, your direct relationship with Allah? And it's like, it's more like a quest. I would say it's like a quest. This book is very written differently to any other Islamic books because it's not only does it teach you about Islam, but it's coming from a story point of view, whereas other books are more like giving you information. This book is coming from a story point of view which makes it more enjoyable and more enchanted to their head and everything. So she includes things like poetry, quotes, um, personal experiences, which I like. And she's the author is quite open in the book as well, um, very open, but open in a very enlightened way, in a in a way that inspires you. Which which is very uh, you know quite surprising as well uh, from Islamic books because normally in Islamic books the first part like the publisher's note that's when they talk about themselves the author talks about how they start studying about Islam and which madrasas they went to but this book like throughout every chapter she was opened about her life and how she linked it to her like even if it was about Ramadan she would link it to her personal experience when she first did her first Ramadan and it made it as if she's talking about her own life story coming into Islam which was which was wonderful yeah no 100% I completely echo you know what you said and you know I mean I, I know like for example I think what's really good about the book as well is that you can potentially open it you know at, at any page and really take really take something from it um exactly, so even yeah. there's a bit, you know it says revelation meets where you meet you where you are you know it's really beautiful because it's true there's so many times that I might open the Quran again and there'll be a certain ayah that I might have read numerous times before but you know it kind of really speaks to me in that very moment and I think that's one of the kind of miracles of the Quran which I think is really really beautiful um so I guess obviously that that we're talking at the moment, you know, secrets of divine loves, a spiritual journey into the heart of Islam. You know, if I had to ask you, what do you think is, what is spirituality? Like, what do we really mean by that? Do you think that's something that you could help to define, like in your own way? Yeah, so um, when it comes to obviously um, uh, uh, spirituality, um, obviously um, as Muslims, um, the main hadith or the mother of hadith um, in our prophet's time when um, when when they were in the mosque with uh, when he was in the mosque with the sahabas and then a a man came in with full white um, clothes full black hair and they've never seen him before and the man approached saying to our prophet what is islam what is ihsan and what is, um, he asked a third uh, question as well. So this hadith, mainly, it reflects to not just about Islam, but that this hadith is a reflection of spirituality. In other words, spirituality means, or another name is Khutazkiyah, which means 
how we see God through our eyes, even though we don't see him, but he sees us. So that's a, a really good way to uh, define a spirit, I mean, uh, to define uh, spirituality is mm. how strong is our relationship with Allah, even though we don't see him, but he sees us. And so I think it's from that hadith that because this hadith is the fundamental part of Islam, Ihsan and Iman, it makes you think about spirit, you know, our own spirituals doesn't just come from reading the Quran and doing Ibad and doing Dikr, but it links to Iman, like it links to how strongly do we believe that Allah is out there, even though we don't see him. There's so many things that we don't see. That even in a scientific world, we don't see things like atoms or molecules in the air, but we still believe it because we've been educated to it. It clearly means we have that strong belief that there is atoms and there is molecules, there is scientific proof for this, whatever's going on in space. We need that same belief when it comes to Allah, to our creator, that even though we don't see him, we know he's there. We know he's the one that created us. And I think that's the main um, definition of spirituality, having that strong iman that Allah is there. Or not just Allah, but every aspect of Islam is there, even though we don't see it. And that's the true meaning of belief when you don't see something, but you still believe, even if it includes our own prophets your own, and his own family. Mm. We've never seen them, but obviously we, we know the evidence from books and from the sunnah and from scholars and everything that makes us believe it. So spirituality to me, it's this hadith, a combined of Islam, Ihsan and Iman. How, how strong your Iman is inclined to these things. I mean, I hope that's a good meaning. <laughs> No, like mashallah, that's an amazing kind of way to kind of yeah. I, I think I think think about um it. and again, you know, it's based on obviously hadith that we know, and you know, the idea of you know, it's beautiful. The idea that you're able to believe in something you know without seeing, and and you know, what you said reminded me of obviously the the hadith about the Prophet said, I mean, he said that um you know he loves. He loves those who he hasn't yet met, which is kind of referring to us as an ummah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's something so lovely and beautiful to hold on to. Um, and, yeah, and the book, you know, I think, um, so Secrets of Divine Love, which is by A. Holloway, you know, she she really does cover so much. I mean, there's chapters, um, you know, looking at this mysterious world of the Quran, the spiritual dimensions of Islam. Um, obviously, he looks at Shahada, Salah, obviously fasting, you know, Zagat. Um, and then you know it ends with this kind of notion of 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 love and what it means to um I guess love unconditionally but also be loved unconditionally by exactly, Allah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and it's it is really beautiful and and I think you know um another thing that maybe stood out to me in the book is um there's one section near the end when um in under the chapter of Zagat. Uh, you know, there's a little subtitle, your zagat does not belong to you. And it's really interesting because I think I recently was listening to a talk by Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad. And, you know, he was just, oh, no, it wasn't a talk. I think he was on a TV doing like a charity, uh, a charity kind of fundraiser. And he was just reminding everybody that actually the zagat or the charity we think we're giving, we, we have this notion of it's our wealth and we're giving it to others but actually that wealth was never ours and actually that wealth was always the people who are going to receive it who receive it in the end even though you know it's through charity it's wealth that's a lot you know wrote for them as their risk you know and it's such a powerful I think reminder that actually we we have this notion in the dunya that yes you know this belongs to me and I have all this material these material things but actually you know we are in an impermanent world and obviously we're in an imperfect world um and actually you know that it always has to come down to our love of Allah um our love for the deen our love for the process and them um so yeah definitely I think you know this book of secrets of divine love is definitely one you know that you know, people can can read and like you said, potentially kind of almost um join it up with, you know, reading um the the sealed nectar as well. So um, you know, I think you've 
talked about some really amazing amazing um books today um so thank you you know for so much i think um nadia for your time today and um for everything that you've shared inshallah i'm sure our listeners have taken a lot of benefit from it um so that's a wrap really for today's show i will be back inshallah um in a week's time with a new book and a new um guest and in the meantime please please do keep us in your du'as assalamu alaikum Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.